uh, privilege to be here with you guys and worship with you guys today. Um, you know, as um, just uh, I just turned 35 the other day, and I'm just thinking about life and and um, just what a journey it's been and what a journey that we're on. And yeah, I was just really you know thinking about the journey we're on, and I thought about the Israelites and the journey um, that God took them through. And all the ups and downs and all the mountains and valleys that they went through and how God was there for them and all the incredible things that happened to them along the way. And ultimately, we've seen in them, um, they became closer to the Lord and uh, they learned to trust him. Their faith uh, grew in God and um, they just they just ended up having such a personal relationship with him. And sometimes in life, you know, we have to go through hard times, and, and God uses that to draw us close to him and, and to bring us near. And, and I know in my own life, I thank God that that has happened um, to do that. And um, oftentimes, coming to Christ is just the first step in, in our journey. You know, it's, it's not the finish line by any means. It's just the first step. And um, God knows exactly where he's taking us. And so we can trust him through all the ups and downs. And a man named A.W. Tozer said that the Christian is a person of heaven temporarily living on earth. You know, he's leaving us home. Who believes that today, that we're just, you know, we're temporarily here living on earth and our home is in heaven. And so uh, today I wanted to look at the Israelites. Uh, We're going to go in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus. And uh, this book is uh, special to me. When I really started reading through the Bible, I uh, started in Exodus. I thought, you know, I I pretty much know what's going on in Genesis. I'll start in Exodus, which is really funny to me. But um, Exodus is an an incredible book. And we we see so much of God's character in that book. And every time I go through it, I just can't help. I'm being reminded of how awesome and holy uh, and amazing um, God is. And so um, we start the book of Exodus with the Israelites in slavery. They have been there for 400 years. And um, the Pharaoh that's currently uh, ruling there has forgotten um, why the Israelites were first there. And he sent them into slavery. He said, man, these people are getting too big and too powerful we better do something or else they're going to take us over. And he um, put them in bondage and slavery to make bricks. And they started building a whole whack of stuff for them. And their slavery was very brutal. Their slavery was nonstop. And uh, eventually the Israelites grew up a, a cry in their heart. They, say, they said, we need to be saved. We don't know how or what it's going to look like, but we need to be saved. And I believe that there's some beautiful parallels uh, we can take away today from this book. So please um, join me in uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 23. And this is what it says here. It says, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel 
and knew it was time to act. He knew it was time to act. And the Israelites were in rough shape. They were groaning under this burden of slavery. They didn't know how they were going to get out. They had that big bad Pharaoh who was oppressing them and loved to see them suffer, who was ruthless in their pain and suffering. And by all means, he did not ever want that to change. And he loved oppressing. But there was a rescuer who heard their cry, who came and rescued with his mighty hand, okay, with his mighty hand, with his strong arm. And we see in chapter 3, verse 19 says, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them, then at last, he will let you go. And I will cause, I'll, I'll stop there, but it talks about his, his strong arm, his, his mighty hand that forces it. And you know, one thing that we have in common with the Israelites is that we're all born into slavery. And it's a spiritual slavery called sin. We see in Romans 6.6 6, that Jesus has actually set us free from that slavery, from that bondage of sin when we come to him. He's paid that price. Like Chris said today, we're free from bondage. We're free from the slavery. And God has called us to be free from guilt and shame, from condemnation and from, and from judgment, and um, ultimately free from this burden of sin. And this is really the starting place for us on our journey and, and definitely our spiritual journey is that we all have to come to a realization of our sin and that we're unable to get rid of it ourselves. We're unable to be saved ourselves. As much as we try and as all our good efforts and faithful coming to church and all those things that it's ultimately God who we need rescued from. It's only God alone who offers salvation and coming to Christ um, does that. And the Bible says that all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And that's what sin is. That's what sin means. It means missing the mark. It means missing God's holy mark, not missing our mark here, but missing God's mark, right? And we all fall short. Short. That's just our nature. And the fallout from that, we all know very well because it looks like brokenness. It looks like pain and sadness. It looks like hopelessness and fear. And I don't know if there's anybody here who can remember what their life was like before they came to Christ, or maybe even you feel like that today. You're in this spot of, of under pressure, under weight, and, and you don't know how you're going to get out. You might not even know that you need to be rescued, but you have this cry building up, or you've made that cry, and God has heard you, and you've said, Lord, save me. And the Bible says that those who call it to the Lord will be saved, right? We need rescuing. We can't fix ourselves in this way because it's a spiritual condition. It's a spiritual condition, and a spiritual condition needs a spiritual physician, right? And God is the great physician. And we see this strong arm again come through in the New Testament. And this verse is so cool to me. It's in Luke uh, chapter 1, 51. Turn there with me, please, and we'll see... Um, it's, it's, we see Mary and Mary has just, um, Mary has just come and see her cousin, uh, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with 
John the Baptist. And we know that story when, G- when, when the pregnant ladies get together. John is jumping for joy in her mother's womb, right? And that's such a beautiful picture to me of life in the womb. When Jesus comes in, that, that baby's like, woo, he's here, you know? And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And Mary's so happy. She's so amazed at what's going on and, and everything that's happening. And she says in, in verse 51 in this song, she says, His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. So we see again, God's, it's only God's strong arm that brings salvation. It's only him. Salvation has come and we are rescued from not only a godless eternity, but a godless existence here and now, right? It's the strong arm of the Lord and in uh, Easter coming up, we hear Hosanna, Hosanna all the time. And Hosanna means, it means save, I pray. The people knew that they needed saving. And today, we know that we need uh, saving. We say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save me. And even the root word of Jesus, which is Yeshua in, in Hebrew, means to rescue, to deliver. And God is the God who saves today. And we can't save ourselves. The good behavior doesn't save ourselves. We hear that so much in the world. I'm a good person. When I get there, it's going to be good. It's not going to cut it. And, and, and even in, in that regard, all the bad things that you've done doesn't disqualify you from God's grace either. It's all from him. It's all his grace. And it's all a beautiful gift. And that's why we worship him and we thank him for everything that he's done. And so that's it. Deliver us. We've been delivered, and God, thank you for that. Um, Number two today I wanted to look at is uh, continuing on their journey is the impossible obstacle. And um, my title of my message today is um, Let My People Grow, you know, and and God is interested in our growth. He doesn't want to just keep us where we started. He wants to bring us on this incredible journey. And, and that's when these ups and downs come in. That's when the challenges come in. And, and we see ourselves grow through them. And so when we join in with the Egyptians, or excuse me, the Israelites here again, they've left Egypt. They've left their old life behind. They're finally walking with the Lord. They're, they're making ground. They're, they're, they're changing, you know. And they end up getting to the Red Sea, which is a massive body of water, and they don't have any clue how they're going to get through. They just don't see how it's going to happen. And we're going we're gonna to jump in at uh, Exodus 14 again and, and see um, how they're feeling here. And Exodus 14, uh, verse 10, says this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said, Moses, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
You know, when you come to Christ and you make that decision, sometimes the sparks start to fly in your own personal life. The Christian walk, it can be tough. It can be hard. It can be discouraging. And oftentimes, the lies start creeping in, especially after we've just started this journey. Sometimes we see our old life creeping back in the rearview mirror. We see it coming in. And sometimes it's that maybe just that one sin we can't shake. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's our thoughts. Anything that makes us um, feel like we're a slave to it. You know, and we feel that burden start to come back. And we see the great oppressor coming in the rear view. And, and it feels like we can never make it to the other side. We'll never live a free life. You know, this life's not for us. And you know the lies that, that come in that's like, you're such a failure. God could never love you. God could never use you. Sometimes... Um, you think, man, everybody thinks I'm crazy. And, and these lies start coming in. And I love just Moses' instruction to the whole nation of Israel. He says, be still, be still and watch God fight your battles. And so how do we do that? How do we just be still in the midst of these battles and these, these places where we're panicking and, and, and things are hard, right? And, and there's, there's three ways that we do that. And no matter what you, where you're at, today in your journey or what you're going through or what you've gone through, I'd really like you to listen to this next next part. And so we know that Moses, after he said that he picked up his, his staff and, he's, and through the power of God, split the Red Sea and they walked right through it on dry ground, right? And so we need to rely on God's power to fight our battles. And how do we do that? Uh, the first thing is I don't have a staff at home, but I have a Bible. And there's a song I used to sing when I was a kid. It goes, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Nice, beautiful, right? And, and, and for kids and adults, it's true today. We stand on the word of God, and we do that by reading it and getting to know what God's word says and applying it to our situations. And I want to read something from you from Psalm 62.1. It says this. I'm just going to read it. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, uh, my fortress well, I, uh, where I will never be shaken. And uh, verse, verse 5 and 8 say this. They say, let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is with him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress will I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, my rock, where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. You know, so often when we're reading our Bibles and we're having quiet time with the Lord, we can pour our hearts out for him. We can find security in him. Sometimes we read his word and it impacts us in such an incredible way. And, you know, in terms of our thoughts, you know, often this battle is in with truth and lies. And we get these thoughts creeping in. And over the years, I've had a whole bunch of different kinds of thoughts. And, and I don't know if anybody can relate, but sometimes I've had a thought like, like I'm, I'm going to die maybe. Like, what if I didn't wake up tomorrow? What if I don't make it home today? You know, and these thoughts come in. It's so unpleasant, right? You're thinking, man. 
And I've learned to apply God's words to my thoughts like this. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I shall not die, but live and praise the Lord God, right? And so whenever I have a thought like that that comes, I say, no, I shall not die, but live. That's me standing firm on the word of God, and this is what it says, and I believe this, not the lie, and victory comes. And you know what? I don't get those thoughts anymore. And no matter what it is or what's going on in your head, we can stand firm on God's word and apply it to anything going on in our life. And that's why it's so incredibly important to be students of the word and to be in this book um, all the time. Uh, Second thing, um, and it doesn't end there. You know, I don't want to overlook this next part is um, worship. Our worship, you know. Um, when we worship God, um, things just happen in our hearts and often in situations that we see God's power come. You know, we're singing these songs that are um, basically scripture and, and um, you know, truths of the word of God. And we're, we're worshiping God. We're putting him in his place and we're humbling ourselves. And man, I uh, have a couple examples for you here today. But I just want to read um, Isaiah 3. Isaiah 3, and this uh, verse has really been important to me over the years. And it says this. It says, um, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. They will be called trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And, you know, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness is what I want to point out. And so often we just, I don't know about you guys, but you just feel a spirit of heaviness. You just feel down, discouraged. So often it can be just the norm for us. And the trick here is, and not the trick, but the truth is that, You know, even when we don't feel like it, man, it's so good to worship, especially when you don't feel like it. You want to say, you know, I'm not feeling like I want to, but I'm gonna anyways, you know, and I've learned long ago that, yeah, I have emotions, but what's deeper than my emotion is my will. And my will is stronger than that. I'm going to say, I don't care how I feel. I'm actually feeling terrible today, but I'm going to worship God. I'm going to put on some good music. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to raise my hands. I don't care if my neighbors think I'm crazy. They already do. And I'm going to worship God. And I'm telling you guys, so many times um, I've seen him change uh, the situation. In 2020, uh, August 2020, we're right in the middle of the pandemic and um, we had a lot of things adding up uh, on our end. And we uh, were just about to break ground with a home we were building. And that was stressful enough. And my dad uh, had just put, uh, been put in palliative care at our home, uh, unrelated uh, to the pandemic. And um, he was reaching the end of his life in our home. And we also were expecting our third baby boy uh, in the same month. And so it was a bit of a crazy month. COVID was kind of just background noise at the time. And things were really stacking up. And uh, to make matters a little bit more intense, our baby boy, Zion, we knew that he was going to be born with some complications, uh, specifically in his eyes. 
And the doctors told us that he will either come out fine or need to be on life support. And so we weren't really sure what we were getting into or what to expect. And about the day before he was born, with all this stuff going on, God put a song in my heart. And I could not stop just worshiping God. I was just singing and worshiping, and this particular song was just going over and over again. And the day he was born, we were at the hospital, and it was intense, and I still just could not stop worshiping God that whole day, walking through the hospital halls, singing and thanking him, and really just carried us through that whole situation and Zion was born and you know who who has a baby with eye problems in 2020 2020 is supposed to be the year of good vision and stuff but he was beautiful and you know we were just so thankful and man I'm telling you I don't know how I really would have made through all that if I wasn't able just to to worship God you know and it was such an incredible thing you guys that we get to worship him and do that And um, we see that again, you know, years ago, there was a man named Horatio Spafford, and um, he was an American lawyer in the 1800s, and uh, they had just uh, went through the Chicago fire, him and his family, and they were cleaning up for that, and he said, hey, I'm going to take my family to Europe, we're going to go on a nice vacation, and so he put his wife and four daughters on a boat to head over, and he was going to meet them thereafter. And many of you who know the story know that the boat never made it there. Um, It it was a head-on collision with a big iron uh, ore boat, and 226 people were lost at sea that day, including his four daughters, who were 12, 7, 4, and 18 months. And when his wife uh, arrived on shore from some rescue boats, she sent him a telegram saying, uh, saved alone, saved alone. And Horatio, he got on a boat and he met his wife there. And on the way, his same boat crossed over the same area where his daughters went down in the ship. And he was inspired, he said, to write this song called, uh, maybe I won't read it, but um, it's called It Is Well. And uh, it says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed blood, shed his own blood for my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. You know, we have security of our soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he has paid the price that we will meet him one day with all God's people in eternity. And because of that, no matter what we go through in this life, we can worship him and praise him. And we can say, it is well with my soul. And no matter what you guys are going through or what you come across in this life, we can worship him. And it changes things. It changes things. No matter what obstacle you're going through, it changes things. 
Number three today, um, we're going to look at uh, the next part of the Israelites is the revelation at Mount Sinai. It's such a cool, awesome thing that they experienced there. And you know what? The Israelites, they were on this journey. They had been through some things. They've learned some things. And God said, you know what? I'm going to reveal myself to this whole people, all these people. And, and so God instructed his people. He said, I want them set apart. I want them to wash their clothes. I want to um, essentially clean them up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet them there. And they met at the base of Mount Sinai. And um, we see here in Exodus uh, chapter 19, we're going we're gonna to jump in and, and take a look at what happened there. <clears throat> so it says, Moses uh, went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes, and he told them, get ready for the third day. Until then, abstain from uh, relations. And on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the mountain, and all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. You know, I really believe with my whole heart that God is interested in making himself known to us. And through these things we do, through salvation, through worshiping, through developing an intimacy with God, a closeness, man, we feel and, and experience him in, in deeper ways. And there is this guy, St. Thomas Aquinas. He was an old theologian, and, and he wrote that there's two types of revelation. There's a general revelation and special revelation, and God himself, uh, we see him through creation. How many here have looked out the window at night and seen the stars and knew, man, God is awesome. He is real. There has to be. There has to be more than this life. There has to be. So many times I've seen a sunrise or a sunset, and I'm thinking, gosh, this is amazing, you know. Creation really screams that there's a creator. There's a design. And that to us, it's a general revelation. It's a general revelation. And the special revelation he describes here is um, uh, knowledge in spiritual matters, which can be discovered through supernatural means such as scripture and worship. Right. And in those times, we we see God and we feel him in such a deep way, an intimate way, something in here. And I'm going to look at Exodus 20 here. And this is why um, I believe that God wants to do that. And, and what happens to us when we get this experience of him, he says, Moses uh, says in verse 20, he says, don't be afraid. Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. You know, when I've experienced God in this way, and maybe you have too, you, you just think of his majesty. Like, A, first of all, if you're new to this, there is a God. There is a God. There is a creator of heaven and earth and everything in it, including you and me, and it's awe-inspiring. It's good for us to have a healthy fear of the Lord and, and thinking a deep, 
respect and a, and a, just a majesty of God thinking, wow, God. And you know, another thing it does, it keeps us from sinning. It keeps us with a pure heart and with him on our minds, you know, thinking, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want these things that, that I'm allowing to um, stay in my life. God, would you help me get rid of them? Because all I want is you. I want to be like you. I want more of you in my life, God. And oftentimes through intimacy with the Lord, that's how it makes us feel. And in James chapter four, verse eight, it says this, we know this verse well, right? It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. And we usually know it as, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. And you know, I wonder if we've really put in thought into this, like, do we want God to draw near to us? What would that look like in our lives, you know? What would that look like? And, and we often stop there, but I think it's important to look at the rest here, and it says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, to, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You know, and that goes for me, too. It's so important for us to, to I think in my own life, I've experienced God, and when I've, I feel like he have, has met me halfway so many times, like, I've, I've gotten things out of my life that I knew that I had to. He deserves my full attention and devotion. I've gotten out of the way and I've said, no, Lord, I want to draw near to you. I want you to draw near to me. And so many times in my own personal life, he's met me halfway. And I believe he meets us um, halfway. You know, if I was to say to my wife, hey, babe, I really want to hang out tonight. I really want to have some great time together. And we sit down and I turn on the football game and I get out my phone and I'm, I'm tweeting on my Twitters and she's talking and I'm saying, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. You guys know the face when you're not listening at all, right? And that time would not go well for me for sure and you know and and this is the thing you know what I need to do what I need to do is shut everything off address anything I'm sorry babe that's outstanding between us right and look her in the eyes and give her my full undivided attention no matter how long it may take and you know she's my number one and that's my wife you know and that's that's what I need to do just for my beautiful wife, what do we need to do for, for the Lord, right? I wonder what he, you know, deserves of us. He deserves our full attention. He is worthy of all our devotion to love him with all our heart, soul, and strength and mind. He's, he's worthy, right? And if there's a cost to, to having more of him, to knowing him more, to growing, then, then Lord, help me. I want to I give it up. I want to pay that cost, right? And, and when we experience him in that way, he, he is so faithful and so, so good to us. I just want to finish up lastly here with um, number four. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. It's um, show me your face. Show me your face. And um, the Israelites, they, um, man, they, they came through a lot of stuff. They came through ups and downs and... Um, they got closer to the Lord, and then they fell off the tracks a couple times, and, um, and God was faithful to them. And Moses, uh, he went up on the mountain to receive 
you know, a lot of instructions from the Lord how to move forward and, and, and all the things they were going to build and all the things they were going to do. And he was gone for a while. And all the Israelites, they said, uh, this Moses fellow, he's been gone for a while. You know, he's been gone for too long. And they said, Aaron, Aaron, build us up a, a golden calf and let's just party. Let's just forget about this whole thing and have a good time. And when Moses heard the party, when he saw what was going on, was furious and, and couldn't believe it. And, and um, you know, I'm going to look at what he did in a minute, you know, but I wanted to ask us, you know, what would your life look like if church closed down? You know, what, what if Mark and everyone took a year-long sabbatical? You know, what would, what would that look like for us? How would it affect our walk, you know? And I think we, we felt that during the pandemic. I know I did. When there was no church and there wasn't much going on, I think we are prone to wander. We uh, are naturally, you know, we'll just get off the rails if we don't seek God for ourselves, right? And Moses is the perfect example for us of what he did when things got crazy, when things got off the rails, when, when it was just like, where do we go from here? We've had a big mess up. I don't know how to carry on from here. And, and Moses, he climbed up the mountain and he sought God's face. And um, where we turn for comfort as people is incredibly important. Where we go for comfort says a lot about us, and it's so important. And oftentimes, God will bring us to a place where he's going to, we have a choice. Where are we going to turn? Where are we going to turn? I've had some rough nights where I needed something. I needed something, and I knew everything the world offered wasn't going to do it. And it drove me. I thank God that it drove me to him closer. I said, you know, I don't care how I'm feeling. I'm opening up this book. I'm listening to a sermon. I'm going to worship. And he's met me there every time, every time. And I'm just going to finally read Exodus 33, verse 12. And uh, says this. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, he said, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me with whom you will send me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And Moses responded this. He said, then show me your glorious presence. You know, I feel like Moses was at such a place. He's like, God, we've come so far. I know all the things. I know you love me. I know you're there for me. I know what the Bible says. But God, I need you. I need to see your face. 
And it was like his heart's cry. And I feel like if I was Moses, I'd be like, I need to see you like I seen you in the burning bush when we had that moment where you, where you told me that I am. And, and he was just in awe and admiration of God. He said, I need to see that again, God. I need, I need you in that way. I need, you know, I know I'm leading and doing all this stuff, but I need you to touch my heart, God. I need you in that special way. And, and the Lord replied, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you, for I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But he says, you may not look at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock, and as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face shall not be seen. You know, the ups and downs of life, the Israelites, they went through them all, uh, through this whole journey, and, and God has, has used that journey to establish his holiness in their heart, to establish our faith and to grow our faith. And so all these ups and downs that we go through in life, it's so important for us to dig into him, to dig into our, our Bibles, to worship him through all the highs and lows. You know, somebody said, there's, um, if you're not in a storm or leaving a storm, you're approaching one, right? And, and some days we can hit them all in one day, can't we? And they all come and go, but we need to, um, God wants to grow us and grow our faith so that we're steady, we're stable, and no matter what comes, comes what may, we are strong in the Lord and we're seeking him every day, right? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for each individual who came in this building today, Lord. I thank you that you love them with an unfailing love, Jesus. I thank you that you've seen uh, everything that they've been through, every hurt, every struggle, every pain, and you love them the same, God. God, I thank you that you've, you've called us to be free that through you, Jesus, you've, you've lifted our burden, you've set us free, God, you've taken our sin, and all we've had to do is accept it and put our trust and faith in you for that, God. I pray that you will continue to grow us, come what may, God, that we will be strong and stable in you, God, that we will worship you even at our lowest uh, moments, God, that we would just declare that your love is, is for us and that you are awesome, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for us, God, that you know where you're taking us, God, that we do have a destination, we do have a home, and we thank you, God, that you're there with us on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so I don't have uh, any questions tonight, but I just, in lieu of that, had a couple uh, next steps. And just real quick, if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ, young or old, if you haven't made a decision to follow him, I would say follow him. I would say make that decision. Talk to Mark or myself and, and make that decision in faith. And uh, lastly, Christian, if you're here today, um, renew your covenant with God. Get closer to him. You know, have some self-reflection. Follow the Lord. Kick off that sin that's bringing you down and, and ask the Lord, God, let me see your face today. Uh, have a beautiful day. God bless you guys. We'll see you another time. Thanks.